So, Karen, it's a pleasure to have you on. We're, I'm really glad you're here. It's been a while since we've it seen each other. It has been a while, Fred. And this we sort great. of go back a while within the pop health DM industry, don't we? With some old pals from when it first started. <laughs> That's many right. Many years ago. So, it, it was very funny when I reached out and to uh, IBM Watson, and they said, yeah, we have someone who could talk to you. It's Karen. Well, I know Karen. <laughs> That's what I said. So, this was perfect. So, I'm really glad you're here. So, tell us yeah. a little bit about what you're doing and your role in Fitel. Oh, I have such a good time at Fitel, which is now an IBM company. Right. And um, the best fun I've had is working with the front line of primary care practices, helping them transform for value. So I know IBM has really been doing a lot of neat stuff. They've been aggregating a bunch of different companies together. And it seems like they're, they're really looking to combine that strong healthcare expertise with that incredible IT expertise you would think they already have and, and creating some neat stuff. So when you work with primary care doctors, what are you bringing to them? So the first thing we're bringing to them is the technology that will enable care teams to actually see what, how they're doing on their performance metrics, to actually identify the patients who are high risk or rising risk, and then be able to use automated programs to reach out to these people so that they don't have to do all that heavy lifting and drudgery that takes them away from actually doing what they love to do, and that is coaching patients on how to do better with their health. So it's leveraging the technology as a, a platform to take off some of the workload, improve the process flow, Absolutely. et cetera, and provide them with unique insights into their patients. Absolutely, so let me give you some examples. So one thing we do, which is also, by the way, gets auto credit for MCQA PCMH, so give a plug for that, is that um, our, we take in multiple sources of data, and we can identify every patient who has a care gap against evidence-based guidelines. And we look and see if they've had an appointment in, their, in the last six months, or one coming up in the next two months, and we can send out an elegant message in the name of their physician, not their employer, not their health plan, but their physician, telling them it's time for them to schedule a follow-up appointment. All happens behind the scenes. Nobody's running around like with their hair on fire looking for the list of people who have um, overdue mammograms or right. overdue it, tests. It, it, it's a little bit advanced from the days when we were doing Excel-based registries in a sense, right? Exactly. And you've now created the logic on the backside to allow all that to flow. Yes, right. absolutely. It's continuous, it's in the background, it happens all the time, and it's still, since we're not going to be fully in a value-based world anytime soon, meaning that fee-for-service revenue still matters, so when these calls go out and people call back, that generates income for the visits that they schedule, and it helps to improve the quality metrics. So it's a win-win-win for everybody. We also have additional products that bring, uh, that can integrate data across multiple EMRs, multiple systems, and really show the care teams exactly, and physicians too, by the way, who some of them do like to look and see how they're doing, on all of these quality metrics. Luckily, the Core Measures Task Force is going to rationalize these measures and have fewer that everybody has to worry about. But in the meantime, there some organizations have over 200 measures, um, dozens of them just for diabetes alone with one little thing that uh, might be different that drives you crazy. But the point is, if you don't know how you're doing, you can't improve. 
You know, you only can manage what you measure. Right. And so once you have that, and you put that in the hands of people not in quality, just in quality, or just in IT, or just in some high-level office, but you actually put it in the hands of people who do the work, then you can redesign workflows around that. You can help them engage with these patients, identify who they are, first of all, and, and create cohorts of patients that you could, for example, send an automated campaign to, inviting them a personal invitation from their care manager to come to a group visit for diabetes. Wow, that's fantastic. I, I think about the days when I was doing some of this DM, if we had had systems like that, oh my gosh, what we could have done. But you also, what I also find fascinating is because there's this huge expertise in IBM, and obviously everyone's excited about Watson, you know, and, and even I, as I talked about you earlier, have gotten onto the Watson, is it Watson on the cloud, yes, and set up an yes, account, and I'm yes. going to start playing with that because I think that's really amazing stuff. So that's sort of that next gen that everybody's talking about, where you're mashing up all kinds of data sets. What is that, I, and how I is that being used? I can tell you more. So this is what is called cognitive analytics. So it's really trying to understand uh, a lot more about um, the individual human being, or a subsection of a population, or entire population, and really be able to use non-traditional sources of data, or data that was heretofore inaccessible. So things like journal articles, things like images, things like um, uh, notes uh, that somebody might put in, things like Twitter feeds, things like um, any correspondence that um, somebody might have had, where you can discern all kinds of patterns and you can make um, some inferences about people's personalities or clinically, you can say, let's take Fred, here is all of his, his personal health information. He may have, um, be looking for a clinical trial for cancer. Well, we can match you up much more precisely because Watson will have all those journal articles on a continuous wow. basis and be able to not just pick out key words, but be able to understand the text contextually, if that's not silly to say. And yeah. be able to be able to start to determine the right and wrong ways to interpret information, so that it could then ultimately create uh, three options or some number of options for physicians and other trained experts, humans, to look at and decide um, with that information what they want to do next, and then recommend which clinical trials would be available and appropriate for Fred. And that is precision. Is, is a type of precision medicine that we're leading the way on. Right, and I know there's been a discussion about precision medicine, population health, are they two different things? Not, but if, when I look at it, and I think of the framework for population health, precision medicine is like the ultimate assessment tool to stratify that individual down to the end of one. You, you are just taking my playbook, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So what we say at Watson Health is that we help do population health one person at a time. Uh -huh. And it's because every human is indeed human and people have different things going on, the least of which, frankly, is their health. Right. Um, obviously, sometimes people's health consumes them, but over, over time, longitudinally, that's not the case. And most things that impact your health happen way outside of the healthcare domain. Yeah, we've been in this for so long. We've I mean, been in this, we know you're it. You're saying this, I'm thinking in my head about saying it. So, one of the things I find fascinating with this, with this ability to mash up all this data, and you talked about it from sort of the clinical perspective of identifying potential cancer treatments by bringing in all the articles and everything else, but there's also, 
you mentioned Twitter feeds, this and that. So understanding the individual from a social basis Absolutely. that can really potentially psychographically you know, assess them and stratify them and figure out what might be the right interventions, exactly. true? Exactly, that's exactly right. So there are ways that Watson um, today has been um, working in different industries, including healthcare, to try and look at how people communicate, individuals communicate. So Twitter feeds is just a fun example to think about. So um, if they use certain language, if they seem positive or negative, if they are friendly or unfriendly, if they are short or long, I mean, so there are ways then that Watson can discern um, what might be appropriate communication method back to that patient or person mm -hmm. to help engage them. And so much of this, too, ties into um, the field of behavioral economics. How do we nudge people to do the right thing based on what we know about them? Yeah, what I find is most fascinating when I think back to the days of training a nurse in, you know, Prochaska's trans-theoretical behavior change or patient activation measures, and it was sort of like maybe you were throwing a baseball, and now it's like you've got a precision BB and you can aim it just right, I in essence. It. Is that sort that's of what exactly we're getting right. to? That's exactly right, because now there's so much more acknowledgement um, of the social determinants of health, which sounds like a mouthful, but what that really means is whether you are um, uh, of means or without means, everybody has their little ecosystem that defines them, their history, their family, where they live, where they work, um, what they like and don't like, um, what organizations they're members of, you know, you think about it. And the social determinants of health are the things because they are the hardest and most intransigent and very difficult to control. So if people live in a food desert or they feel unsafe walking in their neighborhoods or they um, don't have money for their prescription. So we don't have to ask them all these questions all the time. We have all kinds of data to help us guess, make an educated infer guess. That infer that information. Infer yeah. all of that so that we can anticipate that Karen is gonna have trouble filling her meds because she's scared to go out of her house. It's, it's amazing because I actually was looking at another booth today. One of the big companies who was showing me their care management platform and their care planning platform and I began to delve into, okay, what are you using for that assessment tool? And you get the normal stuff, okay, we got the clinical data, the we got the EHR data and the claims data. I said, are you asking about transportation? Are you asking about home situation? Are you asking about caregiver? But you're, uh, you're inferring that from this huge exactly. data mashup you do. You can do that, right. So that's, that's the idea is to look use all of the, these types of data sources and in fact that's one of the reasons we um, bought the, the weather channel was to be able to get that kind of information that impacts behavior. So so let me just ask you, so the weather channel is going to feed data into this and maybe we can identify asthma triggers real time for an individual potentially that's off exactly a weather right. thing or something that's like that or pollen idea. count? That's the idea. Wow. So Great stuff. It's it's really um, kind of exciting, and then how you actually feed that information to a person? Will it be all mobile? Will it be 
um, through a human-to-human -human contact? Will it be um, something that we haven't even envisioned yet? Well, it, it, it's just... And you'll base it on your inferred data of the best way to get that information to them. So you've essentially looked at the whole process and, and you can use this data anywhere. That's right. So do you remember like the first stage of meaningful use, you were supposed to communicate with patients by patient preference? Well, one of the reasons that was so difficult is nobody documented patient preference <laughs> and all that meant was home phone or cell phone. So uh -huh. we're we're going a long way from home, you know, home phone to cell phone choices. Well, that's so fascinating. It's pretty exciting. If people are here at the conference and want to come to the booth, yes. do you have the booth yes, number? I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, Seventy-one twenty-three yes. is the. Um, it's marked IBM, but it is the Legacy Vitel and Explorers booth. Uh -huh. And I don't remember the name of the big IBM booth, but it's not okay. far away. But 7123 is the uh, IBM Fitel and IBM Company booth. And Correct. Great. And well, together. I would tell people to do that, and I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out over the next couple of years and even longer now. And also, there was an announcement today about linking in HealthKit, Apple HealthKit, into the IBM you know Watson. More than I do. I, haven't I heard saw it yet. the press release this morning. Well, you must be reading your hymns notes. I am trying. Yeah. Actually, that came through. Uh, somebody on Twitter posted Twitter that up and grabbed that. it. Yeah. I did hear that was going to happen. Yes. And you know about the big acquisition we did just 10 days with ago Truven. with Truven. Absolutely. So I am eager for that as well. I don't, um, this is, the, the other thing that I'd just like to say about the whole Watson Health strategy, Fred, it's not just about, um, you know, mashing up a whole bunch of companies. We're also, just like you said, you want to get in and see what you can play with on the cloud, how you could build something yourself. The idea is to create an environment where people, companies can collaborate and take things to another level on their own. They can commercialize products, they can experiment, they can do research. The, the resources at IBM, I have to say, as a newcomer, are astoundingly, um, Fabulous. They are rich and they are intelligent, and I mean, it's just, a, it's, a, it, I couldn't even imagine how fabulous it is. You know, the Fitel was one acquisition. I said, wow, that really makes a lot of sense. I looked at the Truven one and said, wow, that one really makes a lot of sense. I know the Truven folks very well. I've worked with some of the folks yes. in the wellness industry, yes. Ron Getzel, some others oh, yeah. over there. I know all those guys. And, um, and a great group, and obviously, you're with a great group, and Watson now putting together all of this, and just, I just, I mean, it gets me really excited to think about the possibilities that can be done with the new computing technologies and the new ways to look at data like you talked about with cognitive computing. Do I have time to leave you with one more thought? Yes, please. Okay. So do you remember how we got to know each other? Our clients were not health systems. Our clients were employers and health plans, remember? Yep, absolutely. Well, employers now are starting to beg, beg for new ways of... Uh, in, uh, uh, um, improving health benefits and really making a difference. Uh, they feel like they still have a brick wall uh, between them and the providers. So I don't know if you saw it, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal by Q. Ree, our chief health officer. No, it wasn't by him. Who was it? You'll have to edit this out. Um, the <laughs> Wall Street Journal had a piece. Yep. And it was talking about the um, healthcare alliance, the healthcare transformation alliance. The transformation alliance. I just talked to their CEO last week. Yeah, okay. go ahead. All right. So I think, I don't, I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen about that, but I do think that there is an opportunity for a triangle to come back to what we were all doing. Remember when we got so frustrated that we couldn't engage physicians? All we could do was send faxes right. and they would go in the bin because no physician had a critical mass of employer X's patients, but now... There are so many tools, yep. there's patient-centered medical home, there's accountable care, there's technology. 
I bet we're going to close that loop now. Uh, that's fantastic. I, I look forward to, to hearing more. That. And by the way, you just stuck an idea in my head of something I want to run through Watson and see if I can infer some stuff from it. There you so go. that is incredible. Thank well, you thank so you. much, Karen. Thanks. I'll that see was you next a pleasure. Week. Yes, next week at the Population okay. Health Colloquium. What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.